Talk Recorded live. This is Rich Senowick from Divers Incorporated, and you're listening to Scuba Obsessed. Welcome to episode 43 of Scuba Obsessed. Does a scuba's cart float? Look at those dimpled fish eggs. <laughs> this week in the news, we're going to cover the other spam. Oh, yeah. This is the price. Medicine under pressure. Scallops. Mmm, scallops. Still flight for gold. Float during the rainy season. So how are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing very well. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing some of the stories tonight. So I'm kind of trying to obscure them a little bit to, you know, kind of hide them uh, so, so nobody can quite expect what they are. Right. <laughs> no idea. So uh, if, if you're not listening live in the uh, chat room, you're missing out, you need to head over. We record this wonderful organization or, uh, or mess, as we call it, uh, Thursdays at 9 p.m. on TalkShoe. You can head over to Scoob Obsessed, click on over, and you can get into the chat room. We have quite a few people in here tonight. So the first article let's go ahead to do that one is uh, for scuba news the other spam carnival no spam was served on the carnival splendor during the crisis this has been uh interesting thing to watch what was going on with this cruise ship isn't it isn't it bizarre to actually think that they were stranded on the middle of a, a cruise like that it is. It was almost starting to feel a little bit like uh, Katrina, where they had everybody in the dome and and things started going. You know, you're thinking that that's not a bad place to be, but you know, you can be anywhere, and uh, something goes bad, and uh, you wish you were somebody someplace else. Uh, what what? And we'll go ahead and cover more than just this article. But the the case of spam is that kind of got picked up by everybody is that they were drop shipping spam. You know, and at first I was kind of amazed. I'm like, you know, come on. Uh, there has to be other ways of doing this, but uh, with the engines having the problems they did, they lost quite a bit of power except for emergency power. But it seemed to really rub Carnival the wrong way that rumors <laughs> were that they had spam on the on the boat. Of of all the things to worry about, you're worried about yeah, okay. that somebody might think you were You've serving spam. You've got this multi-million dollar ship with how many souls on board? 3,500 or something like that. Yes. And it it's dead in the middle of the ocean you're okay with that you're okay having to call a tow truck bringing it in but do not accuse us of serving spam we won't have it no spam <laughs> no spam you know it... <laughs> well and then the thing is like you risk you, you you read through the article and then uh, this one was on usa today and you go through the little post note at the end of it where you know i'm sure there's a little bit of battle between the carnival pr and the uh reporter so they're finally able to get a little bit of consensus on what it is and as a story comes out you know when they got stuck out there they're thinking hey we might need to feed some people and what it comes down to is they couldn't properly prepare the food they didn't have the facilities to heat the food or to keep it refrigerated without power so they need to have some stuff drop shipped in so they went and did a shopping list and they said we want eight of these four of these three million of these and let's go ahead and get it sent on down uh, on on it, they're they're kind of saying, well, we're not going to be too picky because if, if right. you can't if you can't serve that much, go ahead and substitute. Well, when you think about it, what keeps better than canned meat? <laughs> you know, that stuff has been canned since '74. Well, so and they probably got go. you know, and they probably got a deal. It's probably from '78 that this meat was there, so you know, it was got a bargain. Right. So, did, did you read in there that they were they were talking about how the Navy is? I guess the story originally got out from the Navy. 
that that they had delivered spam and, and all these other uh, uh, things. Um, and they Carnival said that the Navy only delivered it. The Navy really didn't know what was there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> interesting it was interesting it, it so, was neat to read it is so i i'm thinking they had more important things to worry about than being concerned uh with the reputation on spam like let's make sure the the ship stays floating makes it back to dock exactly so i'm sure we'll hear more of this as as it comes out okay the next article let's see uh scallops scuba dive for rock scallops uh, this one is, uh, and it's it's a long article. There's some other parts, but the part that I thought was interesting is there's a question: What is the legal method for taking of rock scallops, and are there any size limitations? Am I allowed to scuba dive for rock scallops? The official answer is, and this is in California: You may use scuba to take rock scallops. The daily bag and possession limit is 10 rock scallops per person. There are no size limits. They may be taken by hand or by using dive knives or abalone irons. The regulations that discuss this method for taking scallops are in your current Ocean Sport Fishing Regulations booklet. So a little service announcement for anybody out there. You can take 10. Now, what are the rules around here for uh, for taking anything scuba diving, at least for, for food? Um, uh, I mean, if I got my fishing license i mean can i take my pole down with me i mean do they care that do i i mean i can't imagine i have to be above water to no i don't think it would matter but now no i do know that uh shellfish and things like that are a no-no um, yeah because they're protected around here um but yeah could you imagine well it goes back to the oh, i'm sorry jim we lost you for just a second uh well while they were having the the float above being down below with a spear spear gun. What were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking you about... Ever, if, a, if a train wrecks and uh, nobody's there to hear it, does it really make a noise? What was I talking about? I have no idea. Wow. We, we, can, we can edit that all out, as, as we like to say. The next one is, that is the price, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Catalina island scuba diving business owner agrees to a settlement this is a continuation of an article we had earlier in the year about the uh, settlement of that lawsuit on price fixing oh goodness come on here and what were the allegations that they were fixing the price on i don't recall that from the original story that we covered i think it was on uh like uh charters and and uh refills and and stuff like that but you know Without checking, I, I would hate to, to speculate. Right. But uh, and of, of course, with all these lawsuits, the owner has admitted no wrongdoing. But I am going to settle. So the owner of the dive business uh, accused of fixing prices agreed to pay a settlement of sixty-five hundred dollars. The Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office announced yesterday. Robert Kennedy, who owns Scuba Love Incorporated, was accused of engaging in anti-competitive. T- business tactics designed to force Ron Moore of Dive Catal- Catalina from the Avalon's area dive trade. Kennedy did not admit liability, but will pay $1,500 in civil penalties, $5,000 in legal and investigative costs. Judge Robert L. Hess has approved the settlements. Now, John Mello, a co-defendant in the case and a former owner 
of Catalina Diver Supply in February agreed to settlements of eleven thousand dollars. It's a lot of <clears throat> it's a lot of money. Yeah, and it's good to know that somebody's out there is watching for that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, of course they have officially admitted no wrongdoing, but uh, you would hope that they're not bringing on false claims against these organizations. Let's jump down to this next one. 16 people reported missing off the, and this is one of those great names. Again, I get to pronounce Terenigigunu, safe after all. Well, sure it is. Uh, on Saturday evening, all were rescued on Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry. They were reported missing on Saturday and, and were rescued on Sunday after 16-hour ordeal at sea. The Berna News Agency has reported survivors included three women, a four-year-old child. Uh, they were on scuba diving trip to Palo Tengal, where their boat sprang a leak and sank. I, I guess that is a little more than just springing a leak. Yeah, springing a leak and sank normally don't. Yeah, well, springing the uh, sinking, sinking, sinking. That that is like the extreme of springing a leak. <laughs> He said that the group uh, tried swimming towards uh, land, but strong currents kept it pushing them out to sea. We made sure that we remained together to, f- to facilitate spotting by rescuers, which is always a good idea. Uh, Mr. Zalfadi, who had been boatman for 11 years, said several ships almost ran into survivors in the dark of the night. Several women cried during the night when it began raining, and some survivors were stung by jellyfish. Uh, no. Rescuers spotted the survivors after one of them threw his life jacket up in the air. Wow. Um, and the comment was, I would advise those that visit the island to do so after the rainy season. I, the the leak, I think, is what sank the boat, not the rainy season. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and they would have had to put in a, a an additional line in there, five women and... Uh, one scuba obsessed Jim was was crying on the boat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear everybody's okay. Uh, one of the persons on the boat, I believe, I read, and this one was uh, some uh, mother who was four months pregnant, and uh, another child were rushed to the hospital after the rescue, but everybody's uh, has since been cleared and was okay. So, uh, good news there. And then, uh, kind of on the health front again. Uh, this one is uh, medicine under pressure. Man becomes first to get Fremont's hyperbaric treatment. Not directly scuba related, but uh, when we did the chamber dive earlier in the year, that was one of the things that was discussed was all the the things that could be done with a, a hyperbaric chamber. Uh, traditionally, what was used on divers is now available in Fremont, where severe agricultural related injuries are a daily occurrence. An Arlington man became the first patient to receive a treatment at the facility. He suffered a deep cut to his middle finger on September 15th. The welder almost sliced it off while on the job. Doctors performed two surgeries to repair the finger, but infection set in and spread up his arm. Amputation became a real possibility. Uh, the, the chamber is an old treatment to help scuba divers experience a bend or decompression sickness. The chamber is now used to treat diabetics and people with traumatic injuries, especially outside Omaha, where more farming accidents occur, the treatment in Fremont, doctors said patients get help during the 24 to 48 hours after the incident is a critical period. So reading the article, I'm trying to figure out what did they actually do by having the chamber. 
Um, I believe that that the theory is that it helps with the uh, healing process, um, oxygen into the bloodstream and all of that stuff. It's the uses are are very widespread. Um, you know, we've kind of looked at it just from uh, the pressure, the bends, the, the nitrogen type end of it. But there's a whole host of things that can be addressed with it. Maybe I'd like to hear more about that. We'll have to, uh, when we're back up and talking with our buddies at SAS, uh, see what they're, they're, they're currently using it for. I know that chamber is at risk of, of uh, not being able to be maintained just because of lack of use. They put the chamber in and they've used it very rarely. It's, it's nice to have one available, but, uh, you know, from a, a money-making standpoint, it hasn't been oh, no. the greatest. And then uh, Rich in the chat room has uh, posted a good Wikipedia, Wikipedia to the rescue on it. Um, the next article, and we can come back to this one later, uh, Twilight Zone, Robot Probe's Depths of the New Twilight Zone. Uh, this is a team from Queensland. Researchers are using a robot to explore the depths of the Coral Sea and investigate never-before-seen before reefs. Uh, they said this zone, which extends to 150 meters below the surface, or uh, you know, 450 to 500 feet for us in the U.S., they will use a remotely operated vehicle to document and collect samples from the previous unexplored reefs. Uh, that is interesting to be able to, to get down to some of these areas that we haven't been able to see see before and it seems to be at one of those depths that's probably not super interesting it seems like we like to go really deep right or we stay in that scuba zone so that little depth you know some of the technical divers uh seen seen some of the articles they're seeing they're getting to see the large sponges and and items that are are down a little bit deeper so i'm sure there's going to be some very interesting if not new things that they'll find um one of the quotes from the article is, we really, we're really interested to have a look at the diversity down there because there's a theory that some of the areas may act as refuge for species from environmental stresses. There's a chamber at the Detroit Receiving Hospital that can dive 50 patients with attendance. Now, that, Rich, that's 50 patients all at one time? That's and huge. That would be that, – that is huge. Uh, yep. And then Mac, who's also in the chat room, pointed out that Bronson, that most of the medical stuff is being done in the monochambers. So, yeah, good examples for the monochambers are going to be carbon monoxide poisoning, where they'll take you back down the pressure and, and give you oxygen to bring you back up. But I was just interested in the, uh, you know, the it sounded like surgery, because when we went through the course on the hyperbaric chamber, they were talking about some of the, you know, in the early days they were doing surgeries within them. Yeah, there was a lot of things that they were they were dressing, especially back when, uh, when did they really come on the scene? Back in the 20s? Was that when we were talking about that? That uh, everything seemed to be uh, healed with uh, pressure. And then this next article, Still Fighting for Gold, Law Students Fight for the Right for Sunken Treasure. This is one of the longest running court cases in U.S. maritime history, owners of a uh, vineyard, Martha's Vineyard Scuba Headquarters, discovered the White Star RMS Ocean Liner in 1981. Uh, they, the case last filed in July 2005 asked the court to grant 
them exclusive salvage right to the shipwreck vessel and also a preliminary injunction against interference by other opportunistic interlopers. I love it when you have an article where people say interlopers. The ship contained gold destined for Europe and treasure. The experts say it could be worth anywhere between $200 million and $2.4 billion. And that's billion with a B. Communications director of the WVU, must be West Virginia University College of Law, said in an email, the ship was a 585-foot ocean liner, fell 270 feet to the bottom of the Atlantic in 1909, 50 miles off the coast of Nantucket, Massachusetts. Six people died, 1,500 passengers were rescued. Now, that is a huge rescue, that far off, 1,500 people. Yeah. I mean, you think proportionally, I mean, we just had this uh, ocean liner, the, the cruise ship, and, uh, you know, the, to think in 1909 how many people are on there. There was a second largest ship to sink with the Titanic surpassing it. So, so Titanic was the only ship larger than it to sink. Uh, the last major effort to retrieve gold took place in 1987. He was close but not successful. We end up in the wrong part of the ship, a mere 15 feet away from the ship's actual treasure chamber, the Republic's space room, uh, he reported through an email. We're very excited. We actually think we will be successful because we found a guy in Great Britain that actually has been the ship's plans where the rooms are located. Surely helped to make the for a safer salvage operation. Not the only one's trying to gain rights to the ship. Uh, the Paribus Bank, one of the largest banks in Europe, filed a claim in the gold, along with the U.S. government, but the barrels are contending with the inherent, the large sums of money we're going to make up, make them put up or shut up. Well, this seems to be the, the trend of uh, everybody fighting over a wreck. You know, whoever the government is within the closest, anybody who's ever known anybody, you know, 1909, so that's over 100 years ago, this went down. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, th- this is this is why I guess why we have attorneys. We don't have to, we will let them fight it out. And, right. Okay, so I think that just about does it for the for the news this week. Did I forget anything? I think I, I hit them all up. And, uh, I think you nailed them all. Yeah, we got them. A nice little group of, of stuff in the news. And uh, I, I want, and yeah, I'm again going off my notes. Uh, I should have stuck to the notes. Actually, is what I meant to say because I had some great uh, notes on there. But uh, I want to thank all the veterans on uh, Veterans Day. So uh, them and their families who supported them, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, uh, time to go ahead and talk about some diving. So in a change, I mean, it's actually it's used to be odd when we didn't dive, but we've had a few dry weekends here, and I, I, I'm pleased to report that uh, my my scuba gear still functions underwater. So I, I got to dive in. How about you? I did. Yeah. So it's a it was a good day. Well, since you dove before me, why don't you go ahead and lead off? Uh, I understand you headed up the Lake 16. Yeah, we uh, we headed up uh, we headed up to uh, Lake 16. There was snow on the ground. It had snowed uh, the day before on uh, let's see Friday. Got up Saturday. There was still snow on the ground. I was kind of oh, you know what? I really don't want to get suited up in the snow and blah blah blah. But we got up there. The three of us uh, piled into. Uh, Bob's car and loaded up the gear 
shot up to Lake 16, and that's about an hour, hour and 15 minutes from here. And uh, snow had disappeared by the time we got there. The air temp was, I think, 37 degrees, if I remember right. So we suited up and uh, uh, met another diver up there. Took a look. It looks like we were the only ones that were going to be in there for the day, which means not a lot of silt churned up. Um, so that part of it was great. We uh, didn't have any uh, any issues, which seems to be the norm lately. Somebody's got a gear issue or, or something. Went off without a hitch, went in, dropped in the water. Well, it was Lake 16, so it was cold. Um, but uh, visibility was probably uh, 12 to 15 feet up at the uh, the first platform. And um, it got colder and darker as we went. I think at uh, 75 feet, it was 40 degrees. And I was, of course, the only one diving uh, wet. So... Uh, I ended up calling the dive before the other guys did. Uh, I I thumbed it at around 32 minutes, 31 minutes, and then uh, you know by the time I got my safety stop and got back in, we were I was back up after 36 minutes. But it was a good dive. So how was Viz? Down at depths, it was not not real good. Probably five six feet, maybe. Maybe seven, if you stretched out right. Mm-hmm. But uh, up there at the uh, up at the training platform, it was probably about twelve feet or so. Okay, so 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 not too unusual, Lake sixteen no, yeah. conditions. Yeah. It was and good uh, stuff. so it sounds like it's on the way to clearing up. Uh, yeah, no thermocline that I could feel. Uh, oh, that now that's a change. <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, it was a little bit warmer up, shallower. But then again, my my seven millimeter wetsuit was a probably close to a true seven millimeter up there. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it was a good time. I, I, it reinforces the need for uh, uh, a larger air supply and uh, dry suit oh. to start extending my time. I hear you. You know, I, I had slung a pony, and uh, I kind of used some of that gas messing around up on the on my safety stop up at the platform and chasing around a bluegill. But other than that, uh, more gas and, and dry diving, I think is the way to go. Now, when you said use up the gas, were you using it kind of like a, a fire extinguisher where you were like using to propel yourself for, well, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Just, just squeeze on the regular and let it like shoot right, right behind you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I swim kind of slow. So anything I can do to, to help out and, uh, and the bubbles are fun anyway. So, <laughs> I I need to practice the bubbles. That's that's uh, something I just haven't been able to get into yet. Oh, you'll you know you just got to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm just happy to get up and I'm I'm doing okay. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten to the point yet where the safety stop is really bothers me. I mean, we haven't been getting into anything where we've had any real serious deco commitments. Oh, geez, no. So uh, you know, I, I guess when you're yeah, when you start hanging on the line for an hour or so, then that's a whole different story. Well, I, I was able to get into the the water as well. Uh, you went Saturday. We uh, Mac and I went Sunday. Okay. L- little little bit of a discussion on where we're going to head to. We weren't quite sure. The, there was a little talk about going on to Lake Michigan, but uh, the boat that 
we had available. We had two to four feet waves, and uh, so we 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 each drove individually and drove along the shore just to see what it was. And I can remember looking out over the the cliff going, eh, it's not too bad down there. And then we, we drove along the beach and you can see the waves rolling over the South pier, you know, just a big surge. And it was coming almost out of the West. It was just a little South of, uh, Southwest. So, uh, it was, or of, of West, it was, you know, what, they, what we call that West Southwest, uh, just a few degrees off of pure <laughs> yes. west, so so it was coming in. So we decided, well, that's the south side. So let's go ahead and to see what the north side looks like. And we really weren't even sure, but I said, ah, let's let's go out there and walk. So we we went out there, uh, scouted the pier. There was there's quite a few fishermen on there, but they're doing a little bit of construction work out there. Right. Uh, but uh, to to make a long story short. Uh, one of the one of the guys who was who was uh, working on there, they're doing on the doing some repairs on the lighthouse. Uh, lent us their golf cart, which was which was kind of nice. I think it was a little bit of a bribe to have us uh, look for some stuff for them. But uh, you know, we're not one to take to t- to turn down a <laughs> cart because that's quite a walk to hoof out there with gear. You know, that's yeah, about, it's about three trips. And uh, you know, when you take a look at the pier, we had the and you have the big lighthouse and you have the little lighthouse. So we were going to enter right there uh, by the ladder there by the lighthouse. So we, we load it up. We get the gear on. And it's it's quite a, you know, they've got ramp because uh, otherwise it's, you know, as you go from the different sections of the, the pier that the lighthouse is on, uh, it's a couple, two or three feet of concrete. I mean, you just can't drive something down. So they've got the metal platforms. And that was what I was most concerned with was, was driving the cart on it. Mac, who's a, you know, world sure, well, one, it, uh, pilot, you know, he, spot. yeah, he, he, he decided that I, sh- I should do in the cart. And this, this cart had had a little bit of experience. There's a little play in the wheels and, but, uh, it, it made it, it made it out there. Okay. Uh, we geared up and <laughs> you know, when you're looking at the top of the pier and then you're looking down at the water, it doesn't, it's a little bit farther than you realize when you're just looking off the distance. So to the casual observer wouldn't seem well, that you know, high in, until you decide that you're going to jump in. That right. is not that far at all. And then when you're gearing up and you're going, well, wait a minute, you know, this is not just a normal giant stride off of back. Right. Of the boat. This is, you know, I'm jumping from a concrete pier with steel, with rock down in the water. <laughs> So uh, luckily, I had the expert expertise of uh, of Mac with me. So uh, you know, and we we did you know some prudent things because you can't always assume it's down there. So we dropped a weight to make sure there was plenty of clearance down below the surface. Uh, where we entered in, there's about 15 feet of depth, so more than enough. So uh, Mac went in first, signaled he was okay. So then I jumped in, and I've you know I've done some high dives jumps. I don't high dive but you know I'll, I'll jump from the high dive and it didn't have that same sensation you know when you've got a, a swimsuit on and you kind of half belly flop and blister your skin it was actually kind of nice jumping in so we, we got in and the visibility was actually really nice uh, no thermocline uh, I was gonna say mid, mid 50s I haven't officially checked the temperature right but uh, went down and there was you know, the rocks down there are huge. There was some boulders uh, larger than cars that they've they've gone. Uh, we saw some you know, scrap. Uh, at one point, I I picked up a fishing lure that I think was still attached <laughs> to, to a fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'm thinking this is awful shiny little pyramid lure there. I'm, I'm looking yeah. and I can't see any bait or anything. I'm like, well, that's kind of odd. Well, it's just sitting here in the sand. So I picked it up, you know, kind of tugged on it. There's nothing on. And I start swimming with it. And all of a sudden it, it starts <laughs> harder and harder and harder. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. And then, so I go, maybe this is still connected. And I let go and that, that thing just shot off. So there's somebody <laughs> on the surface who's, who's wondering, what the heck? <laughs> so you know, you think of all the practical jokes you could do, but uh, it's yeah. not a good di- idea to to prank the fishermen because they're up on the pier where your guy, where your gear is, and where you need to return to. And you've got to get out via ladder, which <laughs> yes. means that you really can't fend them off with your hands. Uh, yeah. So, but I, I had a good uh, dive, probably about an hour. So in the water. Total- yeah, totally uneventful, no problems or anything? No problems. Uh, we had a little bit of a surge because you only had a two- to four-foot waves. But yeah. I actually enjoy, I, I, I like swimming in a surge. You know, you got to watch the undertow, but a lot of it is just not panicking and knowing the conditions. And it was nice to see it when we had some good visibility. We had 10 to, 10 to 15 feet because it is easy if you weren't aware of your surroundings for you to be sucked in with the current because the current along the bottom is moving along those boulders and there's cracks. You get wedged into a crack. You get a fin caught. You get an arm caught. Uh, yeah, I understand there are some some pretty pretty deep uh, odd shaped holes in yeah. between the boulders. Uh, the, the only time I was really uncomfortable about what I came across is there's actually a chain link fence that they really uh, well. What what happens is they're they're doing construction on these piers over the years, right? And it's it's kind of like anything else. It's always a learning process, and anything that is on the pier <laughs> is not guaranteed to be there when you return. So right. what they would do is they would cordon off the end of the pier with chain link fence, so say people don't come out here, and you get a nice storm here in November, as we know how storms can be, and it drops all that right. stuff in there. So I don't like seeing net or chain link fence. I just just a prime entanglement hazard right you know and i'm I'm kind of a klutz anyway so i you know i could easily see myself being getting stuck in that and then there was you know we had there's some scrap metal down there you know that over the years has come off and pipe and cable but uh you know a, a great dive experience you know i'd say 15 feet visibility 5 to 15 that's yeah, 15 is probably a little far it probably wasn't quite that but no, it, it felt like 15, and it didn't feel cold, so. Well, 50s is, isn't too bad. Yeah, yeah, so it was, it was nice. Uh, I'm 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 amazed just how nice. It's actually, we, we got aggressive when we dove in the spring. I actually think this fall diving has been better. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, the, the, always the tough thing about diving in the pier is getting out because, with the lake levels being a little lower than traditional, and you have to be aware of your ladders. Not all the ladders go down to the water. You know, they from up above you can see four or five rings, but there's nothing below. <laughs> right. And where we came out, the rung you see above the water surface is the bottom rung. So, but we had made plans. Uh, Mac had thrown a line in, so uh, he knew just how to do it, so that when you're swimming along the wall, you're able to find out where the ladder is. Follow the line up, you know, clip up your gear, which for uh-huh. me, the only thing I clipped off was my dive, my weight belt, because that's the heaviest part of what I've got. Uh, and right. I actually walked up the ladder with the tanks and everything else on. 
So a little, little windy out there, which is why we had the waves. Uh, but overall, a nice dive. Uh, and then we, we went and loaded up the, uh, the cart. Uh, it was an official dive. We found golf balls. Well, good. Oh, I understand there were a couple. Uh, Mac was trying to convince the other people that those are fish eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think that's going to be my nickname for him from now on. Right. And then, uh, of course, you know, we, we went and did three or four trips out, and we decided we're going to do just one trip back. So the golf cart is facing the wrong way. I go and do a three-point <laughs> turn. So I've got it just the wheels right to the edge of the uh, the wall. And then I go what I thought was in reverse. And it's an old uh, gasoline golf cart, which if you ever run one of those, you know, when you go when you go from forward to reverse, it, it, when you take your foot off the gas, the engine stops. And then to get it to go again, you really have to stomp on it. Yeah, and there's some chugging one. and sputtering, and then yeah. all of a sudden, and off so, she goes. So what? I, so yeah. So exactly what I'm doing is I've 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 got the edge of the golf cart on it. I've got I've I've got what I think my my foot's in the brake, but you know you kind of got that casual stance. I've got it in reverse, and I'm I'm stomping on it. It's kind of going. It won't get in gear, so I'm just gassing it, gassing it. All of a sudden, well, I didn't have it in reverse. The front wheels go over the side. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to have recovery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when we go back to looking at how far it looks into the water, and you're looking over the front of a golf cart, does it look even further down? Yeah, 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 it does. It looks it looks pretty far down. <laughs> 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 so and then you know it, it's not like this is this is not like our other locations where we're diving like lake 16 how many observers uh, did you have at lake 16 watching you dive um actually n- none this none. past week exactly and that's c- kind of normal for us unless it's at a real destination well this is the pier crammed <laughs> with with 30 40 fishermen you got you know, couples walking on, you know, looking out. So it's a, it's a busy waterfront. And here I am in a golf cart wearing a wetsuit, uh, thinking I'm going to go over the side. Luckily, <laughs> the way the wheel went over, now the frame's resting on the concrete. And then it goes. The next thing I'm thinking is, here we've got this guy in the construction who loaned us the cart. And he's out there welding on it. And I, I want to get the, you know, I, I didn't want to have to ask for him to help us get it out so you know i'm thinking i might do the uh incredible hulk's feet of, of strength and just like lift the cart back up but uh well, sure yeah it didn't work it took uh, mac myself and by that time a fisherman had come over and uh gave us a hand so <sighs> so that we, is too much yeah uh, we got it we got it back and it was okay and uh you know i humbly Drove the cart back out and uh, returned to its... Ten and two, ten and two, eyes scanning and back and forth, oh. yeah. And, and there's a little play in the wheel, and so I'll... Yeah, oh well. <laughs> it, oh, it could have been gosh. much worse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that gets, uh, that gets the heart going. <laughs> well, that's one way to, to seed the dive area. Um, you know, just kind of... Yeah. What else could you borrow and... Yeah, accidentally well, drop it off the side. Well, uh, 300 foot freight. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, I, I like I like your comment in the chat room. Uh, maybe there's a, a patty specialty uh, scuba cart recovery. Oh, yeah. That's 
that'll be that'll be up there. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. So that was uh, last week's. Uh, no videos, no pictures. Nope. Sorry. Uh, uh, I I left actually. I, we'll have some. We'll we'll post some pictures up. I don't have any pictures of that. So, yeah. With, without evidence, I'm not even sure that it really happened. Maybe I hallucinated it all. <laughs> I'm sure. Maybe you had some. Ate some of those bad fish eggs. Yes. Yeah, so well, that <laughs> ooh, that would that would hurt. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so uh, so that that was last week's dives. Do you have anything scheduled I, coming I, up? Um. No, I don't think so. I think I've got. Uh, I'm going to be restricted to uh, to land this weekend. I've got some chores that I need to make sure get done for some family members. So. Uh oh. I think it's uh it's going to be a dry weekend unless I get them done early. I don't know. Is it one of those things where you can dig a hole and throw the chores in the hole and then you don't have to worry about them? Maybe. Maybe? Huh. Maybe. Yeah, see, this weekend is kind of an odd weekend for me because it's, I think this is the first weekend in, like, since January <laughs> where I haven't actually had anything planned. And neither, you know, because a lot of, yeah. I haven't had anything planned. The family hasn't any plan. There's really nothing. It's like there's. It's like I don't even. I'd have to create something to have a plan. So a blank page on the calendar. It's a blank page. Now there's plenty of chores to do. So uh, and then also I, I I'm off this week. So I'm off this whole next week and the following Monday. So wow, how did you get that? I just had to take some time off and, All right. and there it is. So uh, maybe I'll find a way of uh, <laughs> of doing a dive. Uh, Oh, Max doing the North Pier tomorrow. I can't tomorrow. That's my that's my last day. Tomorrow's gonna be a heck of a day at work. Jim, <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh, see, yeah, see how they are. Jim and Mac will be going out and getting wet tomorrow. But uh, I could probably do it just about any other time. I just can't do it all. And then Monday and Tuesday. So my wife also took off next week, which could be dangerous, which means I might have a lot of projects and things to do. But uh, I think I can carve out some. I, I've got that air fill card, which I think I need to use by next Monday, a week from this Monday. So if I, just I think you're it, right, it'll expire. Otherwise, we're going to put all there in there. At least that's a story I'm going to say is that we got to mm -hmm. so. So we'll have to, I'll, I'll try. So hopefully by next Thursday, we'll have some diving experiences and maybe it'll be a little bit more interesting, but I'm going to try and not dump a golf cart into the water. You weren't trying to dump a cart in the water last week, were you? No, no, oh. but I wasn't trying not. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't want to, but I wasn't specifically trying not to either. You thought it would go without saying. Yeah, that, that, exactly. You wouldn't put it in the water. Yep. So uh, everybody, uh, go ahead and head on over to our Facebook page. We got a question this week. Uh, we're we're going to do some uh, holiday specials for gifts. So we want your feedback on what you consider to be great holiday gifts for that diver. Uh, so what kind of uh, diving gift would you like to receive as a diver? What's a foolproof gift that? You could give any diver that they could use more of. What is the one thing you do not want to get as a gift? Uh, you know, maybe something that's custom fit, maybe something that's technical. You know, because sometimes with a hobby, it's almost better to say, no, don't get me anything in the hobby. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe you've got too many scuba ties or, right. uh, you know, or scuba socks. You know, maybe there's something. So uh, we're looking for your feedback over ahead to the Facebook site. 
uh, facebook.com forward slash Kubotsest and let us know what you think. We'll have some uh, more questions posted throughout the week. So, but some good activity going over there. Uh, there's a bottle over there. So uh, all our bottle experts go in. Uh, uh, we had Rich has declared that as a beer bottle. I was saying it looked, you know, I was going based on color. You know, something that's tinted is probably going to be, uh, you know, a poison or some sort of chemical. And then, yeah, it was just a beer bottle. So <laughs> uh, who, who said I was a, a bottle? Just a beer bottle? Just a beer bottle. I mean, it's a, it, look, it looked fairly modern because it had kind of the... You know, they got the texture in the bottle, so you can tell that it's, uh, you know, something that's fairly mass-produced, at least in my opinion. So right. I was thinking it was newer than uh, what the experts have, have called it out to be. So head over there to that website. You can also visit us at the com website. I also have a forum over there if you want to chat and discuss things. So we're getting to that part of the show again. Yes, we are. Do we have any final words before we head over into that area? No, no last request. No, no last request. <sighs> so, uh, okay, I guess can't delay it any longer. And this one was uh, inspired. I don't know. Should should I should we say who inspired it? Yeah, you know, I don't want any retaliation coming back against David Meyer. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> him to be blamed for anything so thanks for the email and you may not want to do it again so here we go one day after a long dive a scuba diver spots what he believes to be a mermaid sitting on a rock not far from where he entered the water as he gets closer the mermaid starts talking to him they have a long enjoyable conversation she asks what it's like to live on land he asks what it's like to live underwater It starts getting late, and it's time for the diver to head home. They say their goodbyes, and the diver decides to ask one last question. He says, why do you wear seashells? Just before the mermaid slips under the water, she replies, well, B shells are too small, and D shells are too big. Okay. I think think we succeeded. Good job, well... Well done. <laughs> Something. <laughs> Something is right. That's right. So go out there and get wet. And dive safe. Call recording has been completed.